You're listening to Family Feud, part of the Paris Style Podcast family. They might not be brother and sister, but they sure do fight like they are. Here's your hosts, Keely Yor and Shotgun Spratling. Welcome to another episode of the Family Feud Podcast. I'm your host, Keely Yor, joined by Shotgun Spratling and cousin of the pod, Mr. Chris Trevino. We have a lot to talk about today. We finished... Uh, for us, the first week of training camp. It's not USC's first week. They still have a couple practices before the week is over. But we're going to uh, recap a week of media availability with head coach Clay Helton and other players and coaches. As a reminder, if you guys have any comments or questions for the show, be sure to email us at familyfeudpod at gmail.com. So like I said, we have a lot to get into. Now, Shotgun, you have become my instant analysis buddy. Which is kind of odd, not going to lie. But we've heard a lot from you and uh, a lot from me, too, just because we're on all the different platforms and podcasts. Chris Trevino, you're the least heard from from the site, at least auditorily. So, oh. <laughs> makes this glorious <laughs> entrance into the podcast. Was that a sneeze or a cough, Chris? It's a little bit, little bit of both. I got, I got football fever. Um... <laughs> I saved it. I saved it with that joke. Uh, well done. But I haven't even asked you a question yet, Chris. Um, I know. That's just my improv, improv taking over. Well done. I'm impressed by your improv skills. But like I said, Chris, we've, we've heard the least from you auditorily. So I'm going to go to you first. Your overall takeaways. What, what are your, your Chris takes? We were excited the last time we talked just about the fact that football was finally coming back. And I feel extra rejuvenated just actually getting to cover actual football updates, like who's playing where, injury stuff, not all this like hypothetical, like is there going to be a season or letters to the governor or COVID testing, rapid testing. It's actual like, it feels like an actual training camp, even though it's completely different. It's all online. We can't go to practice, but it's nice to actually write stories related to football questions that people on the board have and you know, Twitter, getting out those tweet updates. So it's nice to have that sort of normalcy back. It has been a pain getting up super bright in the early. It's it's affected my whole practice schedule. We're used to being there till late at night. Um, so this is very different. Yeah, this is reminiscent to me of the Sark day. Shotgun, I don't know if you remember that, but the 8 a.m. practices with Sark. So I'm, even though we're not seeing anything, it's, it's bringing me back to the 2016, no, not the 2000s, the 2015-14 era of USC football. That, that was an interesting era for me because I had a day job at the same time, so I was co- I was great. I was like, all right, I can go to practice in the morning, cover practice, and then go to the day job after that. So uh, this is not quite the same. Now it's full football all day, uh, just trying to get in as much football coverage as possible before the day's postseason baseball comes on. Uh, that's that's been my schedule for this week. While everyone else is worried about practice and stuff, I've you know I've been getting getting on four, three, four, five hours of sleep and feeling great. You know, it feels like I'm back in a normal season routine now. Like Chris said, it's kind of been weird having to do zooms with no practice. How have you guys been able to you know glean information? Like, do you take what coaches are saying word for word? How much do you take it with a grain of salt since you don't have anything to back it up with? Yeah, I think you just have to take everything with a grain of salt because obviously this whole time we've been covering the thing, the team together, we, we get to see everything with our eyes or most things with our eyes. Our access obviously has been cut uh, the last year to the 28 minutes. But yeah, you can't take anything 
everyone's saying at face value, I think you have to listen a little bit more, look for a little bit of the details, maybe follow up with people a little bit more than you were like, hey, what's going on in practice? So I think you just have to, to work a little bit harder to get the full picture. Yeah, I mean, how many times in the past have, you know, has Clay Helton given an injury list and then we'd be like, what about so-and-so? And what about so Oh, yeah, that too. And it, that's still happening now. I mean, you go, well, what about Marquis Step? Oh, yeah, he's limited to, to begin camp. Um, and then we see that he wasn't in full pads uh, yesterday for their first full pad day. So it, it's taking a little bit of extra following up. You can't take everything with a grain of salt. But I think you take the overall picture and you try to you know, make as much as you can out of the overall picture and what everyone is saying about similar topics. You know, a lot of the coaches are on the same, you know, the same path uh, as far as what their talking points are. So then a lot of times it's hearing what the players say. And maybe it's asking a player about a different topic than you normally would, you know, asking, you know, the offense about the defense and find out what they say about particular things because you listen to the offense line and everyone says the same thing, whether it's been Graham Harrell or Clay Helton or the offense line themselves, we've got to find the best five. You know, we're just really working on this, you know, get finding the best five and then we'll see where everybody goes. We, we're already seeing though that there, there is a solidified five group, and we're seeing if there's one or two guys that maybe can jump in to compete with that group. So now you're seeing where where does that five uh, that we think are at the top, how do they really fit in together? You know, where are they lining up? Those type of things. And we're getting little snippets uh, of video from USC. We're seeing some uh, photos. That's what they're providing to us because we're not having any access right now because of COVID restrictions on campus. So we're going in and we're trying to do our best uh, detective work on, on the clips that we get and the, the, the photos that we get as well to, to break down and see what we can, see what's in the background, the foreground, all over the place, looking to see any extra clues for questions that we can ask and whatnot. So we're trying to do as best we can, and hopefully you guys are bearing with us uh, on the site, uh, you know, knowing that we don't have as much access as we normally have. It feels very CIS, CSI Miami when we're going through clips. We're like, enhance enhance why particularly miami is that is there a specific reason for miami i mean you could do ncis mark Harmon if you want i don't (laughs) whichever of the cis is new york uh i just didn't know the brand mattered in this scenario okay csi los angeles is that is that better seems more more applicable but yes okay uh, csi paris style how about that Ooh, i like it all right. Well, speaking of CSI Peristyle, uh, we put out a notes and observations based off of two practice videos. And when I say videos, it's like a three-minute clip and a one-minute clip. But I guess let's go into what we saw. Shaka, you kind of already delved into it a little bit. As far as USC's offensive line, right now it looks like left tackle is Elijah Vera Tucker. Uh, the two iterations of left guard is Andrew Voorhees and Justin Dietrich, but we just got a new practice video hot off the press and in that video it looked like mostly Andrew Voorhees at that left guard position uh, so we'll talk about that but then when you move on to center with Brett Nealon right guard with Liam Jimmins and then right tackle with Jalen McKenzie that's kind of what we expected for the most part the only thing that's interesting is that Liam Jimmins uh, Andrew Voorhees flip-flop between right guard and left guard I guess your takeaways from that projected starting five 
I mean, I look at it and say, you know, there's a lot of experience there, actually. You know, there's everyone's moving around a little bit from where they played last year. Brett Nealon's the only guy that's returning to where he was. Uh, if With Elijah Vera Tucker coming back and, and, you know, if he can be that mainstay at left tackle that you're hoping he can be, um, then I think that you, you, I'm starting to get a little bit more confidence in the, the offensive line than I had in the past. Uh, I'm a little bit more optimistic about where they can go this year with the experience they have. Now, I'm not bullish on them by any means, and I don't think they'll be great, but I think that they're definitely moving forward uh, a little bit, and I'm, I'm gaining a little bit more confidence in them, even though we have actually seen them with our own eyes. And that's something else to take away from these clips is we always have to go, okay, did they purposely put any particular clips in here to try to throw us off? Or to try to, you know, to try to manipulate the narrative a little bit with it. I don't necessarily think they're doing that in the first week of practice, but you know, as we go forward, you never know uh, what may be happening uh, with the the clips that we're getting because it's just a splice together, you know, minute and a half or two minutes uh, of various clips from practice and, and different portions of the practice as well. So just trying to take as much as we can, and then obviously on game day, we'll we'll see a lot more. I'm right there with you on the offensive line and how I'm getting more optimistic about what this unit could do, especially because of the return of Andrew Voorhees. I know everyone is really excited about the return of Elijah Vera Tucker. That's huge. Solidify that left tackle spot. But I think getting Voorhees back has been an underrated thing. Storyline about this camp, seeing him out there actually in full pads, practicing. He's a two-year starter. Uh, Obviously had that ankle injury last year, didn't get to play that's basically getting another starter back for this unit. That's a guy that they have chemistry with. All four of those starting guys or projected starting guys came in together um, in a class in 2017. I asked Jalen McKenzie about this. Uh, I got to talk to him the other day. He was, like, incredibly ecstatic about getting Voorhees back. He, it, it was hard for him to put in words how big it was for them. And, and it just seems like he's a big part of this unit. They're, it's ecstatic to have him back. And I'm excited to see what he can do with this training he's gotten under uh, Tim Drevno because we haven't seen him, uh, what he can do when Drevno's been his full-time position coach. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Chris. I think people have forgotten about him a little bit. And Clay Helton even said today it's like getting a Christmas present, uh, you know, getting Andrew Voorhees back because he's a big guy, he's a strong guy, and he's got experience. Those are the words that Clay Helton uh, used to describe him. Um, so he's not only from just – you know, experience playing, but also leadership. You got six young guys, that older group that you have that are, you know, your starting group right now to try to bring those young guys up in case you have a positive test or some contact tracing or an injury uh, during the season to try to get those young guys ready. I think it is really big. And Voorhees, people forget how much he's actually played. He's the second, he's played the second most snaps of anyone on the roster behind Tyler Vaughn's. And you know how much Tyler Vaughn's has played. So I think that people, you know, have kind of forgotten about him because he went down so early last year and forget about that. But adding him back to the mix and he's got plenty of starts under his belt. Uh, I, I think that he's he's possibly a breakout candidate this year just because people have forgotten about him a little bit. Something that Ryan and I debated about a little bit and going back to taking it for a grain of salt. We've heard both Graham Harrell and Clay Helton talk about Cortland Ford and Jonah Monheim. Do you see those two getting any playing time, or is that just coach speak to kind of elevate those younger guys into what you want them to be, not necessarily where they're at right now? Yeah, I didn't, that, that was one interesting thing I thought because I think, you know, Helton said it, Harrell said it, I think Brett Nealon said it about how, you know, these young guys are going to have to possibly play. And I don't know if that was like a talking point they wanted them to hit on, 
that I do not know or if it's like legitimately the truth. Because obviously their their depth is a little bit weaker now just because you lost Bernard Shermer and you lost Frank Martin to those opt-outs. So I think, yeah, there are going to be a couple freshmen that are going to have to, you know, maybe crack that too deep, maybe be in the rotation. Uh, Cortland Ford looks like a dude on the, the brief clips we've seen. He looks in shape. He doesn't look like a freshman body. I mean, they're calling Jonah Monheim Baby Voorhees. Gavin Morris dubbed him that nickname in one of his uh, his uh, Instagram clips the other day from practice. Uh, think about it. You guys are thinking about it. You guys are, I see you guys mulling it, thinking about it for a sec. But, yeah, I actually think they're going to have to play. Um, those were the two guys we've been pegging for a long time as the two guys that I think if anyone had to play, it's going to be those two. Yeah, both of those guys, uh, you know, have been get, been getting some from rave reviews from the coaches and stuff. I think it's it seems very much a talking point. Uh, you know, you're hearing a lot of the same words being used by by the players and the coaches. Um, so I'm I'm not I'm not good buying fully into that. But it is interesting they have pushed their way up uh, into that that too deep already. I thought it was interesting today. Something from the video we saw was Cortland Ford at guard with Monheim at tackle. Um, you know, you kind of think with the body types, it might be flipped there, but giving those guys an opportunity, they're trying them out at different spots to see if they're available, if, you know, if they can work, work their way up and become that guy that, that steps in if there's an injury or two or something like that. You know, there's two guys in between that, the, the mix we've talked about. Between that starting five, which we think are, you know, kind of set up there, and then between those two freshmen are Justin Dedich and Liam Douglas. And Justin Dedich, you know, he could play guard, he could play center, he's going to be the backup to, to Brett Nealon at center, but he could also play that guard position. So we'll see if, if he's the, the first guy thrown in there. That's what it seems like. And then Liam Douglas, you know, everyone's talking a lot about the strides that he's made. And we have to remember, you know, he, that he's a very young guy as far as football experience. He's only been playing for four years. He's put on over 100 pounds since he started playing in high school. Meatball. Um, so, yeah, it's, he's got the nickname Meatball from the from the strength and training staff for the work that he's putting in because they said that, you know, he was just a, a skinny guy to begin with, but now he's like a, he's like a meathead in the locker room. He's just going in there working out all the time. Uh, so, you know, he's a guy that looks like he's in the mix. So maybe you feel confident with seven at this point. And you need at least one of those freshmen to step up. So is it going to be Monheim? Is it going to be Ford? Can you get both of them to where you feel confident enough where if someone does go down, you put them in? I think that's an interesting storyline to watch throughout the, the training camp because initially it was, okay, who's going to play where and who's going to be in that mix for that starting group? But it seems like that's solidifying a little bit early. We'll see you know, if, if someone rolls an ankle or something, how things get mixed up the rest of training camp. And ideally, you would want to solidify that as soon as possible just to build up chemistry and, and get things going because you don't have that quick of a turnaround here, or you do have a quick turnaround. Um, something that stood out in our video uh, film study, if you will, is running back health. It's kind of shaky right now. I think, Shotgun, you already alluded to Marquis Step. Uh, we didn't see a lot of Stephen Carr in the first round of videos. We did see more from uh, Wednesday's full pad practice. Uh, but Marquis Step, that, that ankle foot issue is still bothering him. What do you see for this running back group? I know I mentioned it on Tunnel Vision. I feel like each year we, we say that this might be the year that USC really uh, can get their run game going and, and run when they need to, when everyone knows they have to get gain some yards. Can they do it? What is your, I guess, projection for this running back group uh, heading in, into 2020? I look at it, and the one of the more interesting things was Graham Harrell talking about the offensive line and saying he 
he believes they'll be able to get a push this year and, and be able to move guys forward. And if that's the case, he said that they could be an efficient run team. Now, he didn't say they would run the ball well. He didn't say that they would run for 150 yards a game, but he said that they would be able, be able to uh, you know pick up uh, pick up some yards and they would be efficient with it. So if they can do that, I think that opens up things much more. And I think Marquis Step is a big part of that though, because you need that power back to be able to pick up those third and ones, second and ones. And the two guys that you would trust there are both out right now. Avai Malapai is also dealing with a hamstring issue, so he hasn't done it uh, much so far. So the the running back depth. While you feel confident that you got four guys that you trust a lot more than last year, you know, with Ken Kristen getting some experience at the end of the year, you feel like you trust him a little bit more now. And even Quincy Junty to, to an extent, uh, you, you can trust him back there as well. But you still got to be concerned when you're starting off camp with two or your four scholarship backs going down. Yeah, I think it's a pretty big opportunity for number 23, Keenan. I mean, he found himself in that position really did the most with his opportunity, showed he could be a big-time playmaker. Still has to get a little bit more consistent with that pass blocking. Um, but, you know, right now, he's the only, like, real healthy dude in camp, so I think this could be a great opportunity to earn more playing time. And then, on the flip side, if all these guys aren't that healthy going to November 7th, which is a couple weeks away, you know, maybe we'll just see a little bit more of what USC had to do when they had a super depleted backfield and just pass, pass, pass all the time. Maybe the run game isn't a big factor uh, this season. Again. One, inter- one interesting thing is that you, you're not necessarily thin at running back, but you got some concerns. And it's similar at wide receiver. You're not necessarily thin. You got some very, very good top end talent. But there are some concerns with the depth there because there, there's not a ton of players. We saw a couple clips where Matt Fink is throwing. And there were three or four of the guys that were on the field, his eligible receivers, running back, tight end, all that included, were walk-ons. You know, and that's already a concern there. Uh, you know, with Kyle Ford and being down with an injury, Manier McClain still coming back from the ACL and being suspended right now. Uh, so there's some concerns there with the wide receiver group as well. Very talented, but not necessarily the deepest right now. So uh, you, if you get a couple injuries at both spots, you're starting to wonder, uh, you know, you're going to have to move over a DB or something to be a playmaker. Not even just injuries, but like Clay Hilton keeps saying, if there's some type of contract tracing that involves multiple people in a certain position group, you're kind of SOL in that sense. And that's something that Clay Hilton, I think, is very cognizant of. He keeps talking about two-spotting, how important depth is, and making sure you know, you're know you going to use guys that you don't expect. So it's just so interesting that certain position groups are kind of borderline. Like you said, Shotgun, it's, like, it's not quite you're concerned about the depth, but if something happens, suddenly you are concerned. Yeah, I mean, we keep talking about this is – you know, the, you know, when USC takes the field and we're talking about this thing, but we still got to worry about the potential of, you know, some positive tests and, and, and players, you know, missing games because of that. You know, USC is doing all the right things right now with the daily testing and everything. You're hoping that you don't have that happen. You're looking at the NFL as well. They're having uh, guys go down. So there's still some concerns there. And even though USC is doing everything right, is everyone on the other sideline doing everything right? You know, there's there, and then if you start traveling during the season, there's some concerns. And Clay Helton, he keeps bringing it up. It's something that he's mentioned multiple times. So uh, I think that they're trying to do their best to, like Keeley said, to two spot and do some different things to be uh, ready, prepared if something like that does happen. And just to jump on offensive positions that you might have to worry about, 
tight end also. I mean, tight end also has three healthy scholarship guys right now um, with Ethan Ray still kind of on the mend from his, his knee injury. That was a, a surprising one from Clay Helton's uh, first press conference that you're not going to see him out there. He's still rehabbing, which is kind of concerning because he spent most of last year doing that and it seemed like he was progressing forward at the end. But right now, you only have those three healthy tight ends with Croman Hoke, Josh Fallow, and Jude Wolf, who apparently had a really big uh, day on uh, on Wednesday, even though people are just going to see him getting cracked by OG in that one clip. The one clip that USC released uh, and didn't include in our practice footage, saving the best for their own accounts. Hashtag, I'm not bitter. Um, as far <laughs> as the tight end group goes, though, uh, Chris, since you brought it up, should the tight ends be concerned for a different reason, uh, Drake London. Graham Harrell was asked about, you know, inside receivers and tight ends and how the line is kind of blurred between the two. And looking forward to this season, what is Drake London's role uh, going forward? And Harrell had a lot of praise for, for Drake London. And he said he was vital for the offense's success. He's going to have a big role going forward. Chris, for you, how do you see this tight end role evolving, given that you now have Drake London in the mix? Yeah, I mean, you hear that and you're like, that's a little worry, worrisome. He said, you know, Drake London could do that that blocking. But that's my job. But if you're going to keep him in there over the tight end, but I also think it helps you a little bit because you're thinking, I can make those catches. I can do those blocks. I can play flexed out like that. I'm a jumbo wide receiver. So I think if you're someone like Josh Fallow or Jude Wolf, the two athletic tight ends on this group, I think you're saying, you know, I could take some of those reps. I can do some of the things Drake was doing last year. Just give me a chance. And it'll depend on if they if they use a little bit more tempo as to if some of those opportunities are provided. You know, if USC goes a little bit quicker tempo, then they're not going to want to sub in Drake London and take off a tight end and give the defense an opportunity to sub out. They're going to want to keep the keep rolling with what they got going. So uh, you will see if that's something they try to implement a little bit more this season. Second year of the offense, we hear, you know, they've talked a lot about how second year the offense should take another step forward. Everything, that might be something else that's, that's in the works as well. Now do you feel comfortable with everything you're doing in this offense? Maybe now you can, you can push the tempo a little bit more to try to keep teams uh, off balance a little bit. I'm going to jump to the other side of the ball. If you guys have any more offensive thoughts, we can circle back in a bit because I want to talk about Todd Orlando. We got to talk to him for the first time since March, so it's been a while. Um, I know we've talked extensively of how this is just such a unique experience for him as a coordinator coming to USC, uh, having a long install period. What does that do for this defense? And it was interesting because Shotgun asked him about what do you take away from the the practices before full pads because we got to talk to Orlando on Wednesday right before USC's full first full pads practice and he was fired up he was ready to go he was like today's the day the building is excited this is when you find things out and so shotgun smartly asked well what did you take away from those those practices before Wednesday and he said you know it shows me how much you care because if you don't know your assignment after seven months essentially why don't you? You know, this is this shows you how invested you are in the team. And so I thought that was an interesting uh, thought from him. But I guess overall takeaways from Orlando, what he had to say, and just how fired up he was for, for some actual full contact hitting. I think that just so much energy that he was bringing, uh, and, and I think it's starting to to permeate through the rest of the, of the team. You, you're hearing it from the defensive players talking about his energy, but I think you're you're going to start feeling that on the offensive side too because of the pressures they're bringing to practice, the different looks that they're giving. Um, I, I think that he's adding 
his defense and, and the energy that the defensive staff is bringing is just helping elevate the entire team, it feels like, uh, from what we're hearing at least, and a little bit with that we're seeing in clips and stuff. Um, but I, it seemed like he, he just he has a, a disdain for any practices that aren't in pads. He was like, if he was French, he'd be like, Poo-tui, I spit on your non padded practices or something like that, you know? And he just feels like that, you know, he almost called them non practices. He caught himself, he said, you know, when you have the non, when you don't have pads on. I mean, he could have uh, said non essential. You don't know where the non was leading to. Non exciting. It felt much more like non practices. Like, this doesn't matter. Uh, this is all about assignment and lining up correctly. And but but he said, you know, those things are important. And like Keeley said, you know, how much do you care? But then he also went through his next comments where, yeah, you can line up and you you look perfect lining up and you look pretty. But what happens when we put the pads on and then you're chasing after someone or someone's chasing after you? Do you look that? Are you the same player? Do you look the same then? Yeah, and I love that quote that kind of exemplified that was, you know, we have a guy who runs a 4.6, but he runs a 4.9 when he's about to get hit or hit somebody. And you have a guy who runs a 4.9, but he runs a 4.6 when he's about to lay a hit on someone. I thought that kind of encapsulated what he's looking for in these full padded practice. He's going to get what he said, the separation. He's going to be able to see, you know, who's really going to be out there to play and then who's going to be on the sideline with the coaches? I think he had a lot of he says he has a lot of good little quotes like that that I really enjoy. They could be they could be coach speak, but I haven't heard that from a defensive coach here, so they resonate with me. You know, I thought it was interesting um, today. We actually found out from Helton Orlando has been really hard on Palie Naotote. And that's someone who we've talked about. You know, he's a raw talent. Um, Helton kind of threw Clancy Pendergast under the bus just a little bit by saying, you know, he's really seen a jump in EA's fundamentals. And Clay said you coach your best players the hardest. And he said this might be the best development for EA's career. So it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, I want to see practice. I want to see, like, how is this coaching happening? And, and Clay said he, he credited EA for, for taking to the, the tough coaching well. Um and that's something you would want to see in that linebacker development. That's something we were expecting with just the sense that uh, Orlando is a linebacker's coach. Ryan has this theory that the linebackers were under underdeveloped under Clancy Pendergast. And so you were hoping that this was kind of the development that you wanted to see from Orlando. I just thought that was an interesting wrinkle that we didn't necessarily learn from Orlando, but we got from Helton. Yeah, linebackers were one of the most frustrating positions in the time I've been covering this team it just seems like there's so much talent there and they just don't have the consistency or they don't you know play up to the level you feel that they can and you know Pala Ie was the the leader of that group you know I saw him in high school one of the best performances I saw when he played uh, at Bishop Gorman against uh, St. John Bosco that was just he was all over the field just sniffing out everything so that's what kind of I expected moving up to the next level. And he's, he's flashed. He's certainly shown uh, moments of brilliance in these first two years, but obviously had the injuries with the ankles last year, didn't really get off the ground. So we, and we talked about how important and vital it was for Orlando to pull that next level of potential out of, you know, EA. And we're seeing that. I mean, again, we, we talked about earlier, it could just be take it for a grain of salt, but, you know, that's something very encouraging to hear that your five-star talent is moving up and getting developed. And I, I think it's crucial for this defense because we haven't really touched on it in this podcast yet, but 
you have two uh, linebackers that are going to be out for the season. Jordan Iasefa, who's your most experienced linebacker, is going to be out, you know, cleaning up the same knee that he injured last year. And Solomon Tule-Alapupu, who suffered a knee injury, finally back from the foot injury, devastating to hear the news that, you know, he's not going to be able to play this season either. He's got to have knee surgery as well or had knee surgery um, last week. So, you know, with those two guys out who you expected to be in the mix, you know, if they were healthy, you you were expecting those guys to be in that mix in the inside linebackers. Now you, your depth uh, dwindles there a little bit, and it's going to be on EA to step up and be a big-time playmaker. And, you know, you can't just, you know, turn to the veteran guy like uh, Jordan Isefa, who's a more consistent player. You need EA to be consistent and show the flashes of the talent that he has. He needs to put it all together this year in the middle of that defense for this defense to play up to its potential. So to hear that er, this early in camp, I think, is a really positive development for USC's defense and where it can go uh, going forward. Now it's up to those inside linebackers. Are they making all the correct calls? Are the safeties behind them? Those are the kind of things that you would be looking for now to take the next step for this defense if they can do that. And Orlando had praise for not just EA, but also Kanai Malga and Raylan Goforth. He called them extremely sharp and said all three were going to see playing time. Chris, you seem like a Raylan Goforth guy to me. Explain your Raylan uh, affinity. I don't know what that means, but I am a Raylan Goforth guy. I don't know <laughs> how you knew that. Uh, but yeah, Raylan is a guy that, you know, people really maybe were kind of scoffing at his ranking coming and he committed to the class. But I think that was a, a really big local pickup and a really a gem. Because when we saw him, he was an early enrollee along with some of those other Bosco guys. But he struggled a little bit earlier, but then he was making plays. He was the backup Mike. And then there were some injuries, and he ended up being, you know, one of the ones. And he was actually making some plays. He loves – he's a physical guy, smart guy, ran ran some of that defense out at St. John Bosco. Um, he's aggressive. He used to be a safety uh, when he started his career in high school. So I think he's got range. He's athletic. I think his athleticism is a little bit underrated. Uh, but right now he's playing that Mike Mack position. Um, so he's out there helping call the defense, which he did last year in a backup role. Um, so I think this is a great opportunity for him, and I'm really big on him for this season. I think he's going to have a little bit of a breakout season. I think he falls into the category of what we've seen in the past, where young guys, linebackers, make some plays in camp, and then we just don't hear from them the rest of the season. And it's like, why are those guys not getting a series in the game? Why are you not rotating them in to help develop them? Because obviously USC has not been blowing teams out. So you're not getting development late in games that way. So I think linebacker in particular, there, there's been cases where, and I think that was part of the frustration you talked about, Chris, where you know there's a little bit of, uh, of stagnant um, you know, development there, where you had your guys, your, your set guys that were going to play, and that was it. And, you know, if they weren't better, it didn't really matter uh, because you weren't going to mix in the young guys for them to, to push the competition even more. And I feel like Todd Orlando's energy and vibe is all competition all the time. I mean, I don't know that it, for sure because we haven't seen him in action, but from his previous stops and from the way he talks and everyone talks about him, that's the vibe you definitely get. And I think that's only going to be uh, better, good news for the linebacker group and for Raylan Goforth. Because like you said, he was making some plays early in camp last year. Uh, and, you know, uh, I talked with a couple of coaches and they were really excited about him. I expected him to, you know, start being in that mix and, and getting some rotation, but it, it never really uh, came to fruition last year. Sorry, uh, Raymond Scott heard your comment about talented linebackers and not not hearing from them again. I'm, he's, he just <laughs> wants to get on the. Also, yeah, just, just move Raymond Scott back to linebacker. Let's get him back there. 
It's not a safety. Put him at linebacker. That's where he belongs. That's it. End of rant. I'm done. I'm gone. Death taxes and Chris doing bits over Skype that audio listeners cannot see. Uh (laughs) I had a phone in my hand for people listening. (laughs) For people listening. It's not that hard. Just a phone to my hand. You're Um, welcome. Yeah. Humor. They're all thanking you. Um, Let's talk about USC's defensive front. First off, J2 Fele opted out, of course. We got to talk to Brandon Peely and Marlon Tuipolotu about that loss up, up up front, but also just as their best friend at USC, one of their best friends. They were always three together. Brandon Peely, interestingly enough, said the burden is on me to fill in those to fill in that role. It's interesting that it's now up to Peely, you know, heading into the senior year. Can he really reach that potential when he's called on? He, he's a guy that you need to get consistency from. Now, attacking the, the Jay Tefele opt-out as a defensive group, they're going to have to do it as uh, as a group. You know, They're, they're going to have to do it uh, as a whole unit rather than one individual replacing him because your defensive tackles are not going to play every snap of a game. You're going to have to have a rotation there. So it's on Brandon Peely to step up. It's on the guys behind him as well. Dejon Bitten is a guy that I'm looking forward to see if he, he takes a step forward in his game. Trevor Trout as well. Um, but Brandon Peely is the first guy you're going to turn to, and he's shown those flashes so you feel like he, if he can show consistency, that can change you know, how you feel about that loss to Jay Tefele. Uh, you know, he can turn things around and make you forget about that loss a little bit because he has unique athleticism, he has some burst, and he's super strong uh, you know, as a 300-plus-pound uh, man in the middle of that defense. But if you don't get consistency from him and you, know, you get a flash here, a flash there, you're going to start going, man, Jay Tefele in the middle of this defense would look really good. Yeah, they don't make dudes like Brandon Peely. Six foot four, 300 and whatever pounds that can do backhand springs and throw down dunks. The guy's a freak of nature, and you need to tap into that to help offset, what, I mean, everything you were saying, the loss of Jay Tufele. And I think that's also going to help free up Marlon for a potential monster year. I mean, he's been used to getting double teamed and hammered in the middle. So I think getting a monster guy like Brandon Peely in there to help take some of that off of him and then freeing Marlon up to do some of the things, I think he can help replicate some of that pass rush, some of those TFLs, some of that those uh, flashy stats that he wasn't really getting because he's doing the dirty work in the middle. And I just want to throw out a quote from Jalen McKenzie yesterday. Marlon, I asked him who's been standing out along that defensive front, and he said, Marlon Tuipolotu, he changed his number, and I don't know what else he did, but he like picked up an infinity stone. So I think that bodes well for the future of this defensive front. An all-time quote uh, for me. All-time quote for me. But Shotgun doesn't know what that is because he still hasn't caught up on the Marvel I know movies. what an infinity stone is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wait, let me get my teeth. If I can make fun of Shotgun for not watching a movie on this podcast, I will take it. So let me have my little win there. Win there. As far as Drake Jackson goes, he looks like someone who will be out a majority of USC's training camp with a hamstring injury. And yes, listener, that's another injury. And we will probably address the injuries as a whole pretty soon here once we finish the defensive uh, unit. We've talked about it a lot so far, but Drake Jackson listed as an outside linebacker on USC's media guide. He dropped, I believe, 30 pounds of weight. So everyone was like, hmm, what does this mean for the future of Drake Jackson and his role in Todd Orlando's defense? Todd Orlando uh, provided some clarity on that. 
Guys, what did you see? I know, Shotgun, you have the Uchina Nuoso theory. Chris, where do you see Drake in this defense? Yeah, I think people were, like, maybe kind of freaking out a little bit, thinking he's going to be, like, a true outside linebacker. But, you know, Todd was, Coach Orlando was quick to say, it's more like a 3-4 outside linebacker, kind of uh, like a predator, I would assume. It's kind of, he's playing closer to the line of scrimmage. It's called a B-backer or a jack in his his scheme. Um but yeah, I mean, there was questions about him maybe dropping back in coverage, but Orlando was like, you know, if he's going to be this elite pass rusher that we think he is, you know, we're, we're probably not going to be dropping him in coverage that much. We want him to go out and, you know, get that quarterback. Um, and as far as his hamstring, yeah, you're, you're that's the guy you want to make sure that thing is right. You don't want him missing games, especially with the schedule being so uh, shortened. That's a guy who's a difference maker for your defense. So do whatever you need to do. Hold him out as long as you can to to get that thing right. Um, it's a little bit worrisome just because it's a whole new position and a new scheme, and you want him to get those reps, which he didn't get in spring. Um, but yeah, he's a difference maker, and it's it's. I'm excited to see what the defense looks like when he's when he's actually in there. And also, if you decide to, he's rushing the pass for 98% of the time, kind of like Uchenna Nwosu uh, did at USC and is still doing it in the NFL then he doesn't necessarily need reps in the defense. You're just going to, you know, let him go free. Uh, you know, you will need to get some reps on when you're going to do stunts and different things and, and maybe, you know, where the blitzes are coming from behind him. But, you know, it's not going to take as much time for him if that's the role that they're going to have for him. And I, that's what it seems like is going to be the role for him. He may drop back in, in, in coverage a little bit. He's got the athleticism. He's shown he has the hands in the past. Uh, so, you know, you can do some different things with him. And I think eventually as the season progresses, if he, you know, if he gets healthy and stays healthy, I think you'll see them do a little bit more with him because if he shows, if he is able to complete what he's shown, you know, with his, his pass rush ability and get to the quarterback, uh, you know, a little bit more consistently than he did last year, you know, he only had, I think three and a half sacks last year. So if he's able to get there more frequently, then teams start having a game plan for him. Not only does that, now you can do some different things and drop him in coverage when a, you know they keep a tight end in to chip him or do some different things. But that also clears some things up for Marlon Tuipilotu and Brandon Peely in the middle. So the defensive line is, is a unit that the better everyone else on that unit is, the better you're going to be. Um, it just because if you have one elite dude and no one else is any good, that elite dude is going to get triple teamed. And you see it with Aaron Donald at times with the Rams, he gets triple teamed. But if you got uh, other pass rushers on the edge that can get there, then suddenly you can't do that, and, and you have to you can't invest the resources to blocking one person. So if, if you've got four really good dudes up there, you can't double team all four of them. So I, I think that if he comes back and shows what we think he's capable of, I think that's only going to be a positive for Brandon Peely, Marlon Tuipilotu, and replacing Jay Tefele to an extent. Yeah, and I'm really excited just to see how he handles how he moves with that big drastic weight change. I mean, he looks so different. Uh, he looks great. Uh, but I'm just curious to see a guy who's been like, you know, a down lineman most of his life, just how he handles, you know, being, you know, 25 pounds lighter and probably a little bit quicker. I just want to see how he handles, you know, playing those big tackles on the, on the line of scrimmage. Yeah. If, if the, when you lose 30 pounds, a lot of times you, you gain a little bit more quickness. We'll see that first step coming off the line. If he can beat some some of those tackles coming off the edge, especially because there's not really the elite tackles on this USC schedule, so you know he could feast on some of those guys coming around, which may cause teams to you know to uh, start making adjustments really quickly. 
Now, the interesting wrinkle we heard from multiple coaches this past week is that USC's defense as a whole is actually benefiting USC's offense just because it's giving Keaton Slovis and company um, many looks, pressure from anywhere. How much do you think that is coach speak? You know, I've heard we've heard that every <laughs> camp, you know, the defense is usually ahead at this time. It's helping the defense. It's helping the offense, et cetera, et cetera. Is that true, or how, what? What is the saltage level that you're grain of salting <laughs> that you're applying to that that statement? I think it's a decent amount of saltage. You know, about where the recommended daily dosage is from your from your pediatrician. But um, but I think there is some truth to that because we know, as we talked about a little bit earlier, how how much emphasis. Todd Orlando puts on his defense hitting and running around and knocking heads in practice. I think that's only going to make the, the offense better. They're going against the number ones flying around, coming at them, trying to kill them every play. You know, you got to be ready. You got to be in your toes. And I asked Jalen McKenzie how they did, how from his perspective, what the offense was like facing that, that fired up Todd Orlando defense. He said, man, they were throwing a bunch of things that, you know, we have never seen before. They were coming with all these different looks because his package has all these different variations so they were keeping them on their toes. He said, you know, I, he was throwing out things we've never seen before. So I think there is some truth to that, that, you know, Keaton's going to get a lot of looks in the coming weeks with this defense. So I think he's going to be much more prepared going into the season. Yeah, I think Chris just touched on it, uh, you know, and just nailed this. That It's not necessarily that they're saying, hey, the defense is really challenging us. It's how the defense is challenging them with the different looks, with the different blitz packages and things that they haven't seen. That's going to help prepare them better going forward rather than just saying, well, the defense is playing really well and it's been, you know, it's been a struggle for the offense right now. No, how, why is it a struggle? Because of the so many different looks. And if they can continue to uh, improve from that and learn from that, then I think that helps them down the, down the stretch uh, of the season. There's a part of me, the pessimistic side of me, that hears these type of comments because we've also heard from Clay Helton, he really likes uh, the two-week OTA period uh, that USC had prior to fall camp actually starting. He said they really focused on fundamentals and Helton walked away from Wednesday's full pads practice, impressed by the tackling by the DBs and the linebackers. And there's a part of me that goes, hey, this is what happens when you actually practice ones versus ones, when you actually emphasize fundamentals and doing things that, you know, we've been advocating for for years where you're actually practicing what you need to do in order to be successful on Saturdays. And so far, it sounds like Todd Orlando is kind of getting his way with that, where uh, they're actually doing the right tackling uh, and doing and having the right amount of physicality in practice so I said this on instant analysis this is something that if you're a USC fan you obviously want to hold we've seen no matter who the coordinator is USC have physicality in camp but once season starts and, and, and kicks off then they dial it back and then they have their resting bodies and they're being preventative with uh maybe not so many injuries etc so I'm just I'm curious but I, I it sounds good I'm just still very skeptical if that makes sense yeah, it's it's instead of hold me close, tiny dancer, it's hold me close, heavy tackling. You know, and that's what USC fans want. Uh, they they want to to be able to see that continue as the season progresses, and that's the big question mark. We often see ones versus ones early in camp, and we see things these challenge and competition periods when we're able to see things. But once we get to mock game week, 
you know, we were, we've seen, you know, really good practices early, and then you get to the scrimmage, and it's like, why are none of the play- starters playing? Oh, well, we want to see the other guys. Okay, okay, well, we'll see the starters going one-on-one next week as you get ready for your first game. No, no, not at all. And you don't see that the rest of the season. And you don't have those competition periods. you got to do your scout team work and all that, but you need to have those competition periods where you're really going at it, and that's been not been the case in the past. So it'll be interesting to see if that's what we continue to hear, and that's the reports that are coming out of practice, that, yeah, they're still going, they're still going hard. You know, everyone's, you know, the competition is, you know, is constantly amped up. Because that was one of the things when we were able to see in the spring, that's one of the things I took away is those the actual competition periods, the one-on-ones, the seven-on-seven those were really, really competitive with the DBs and the wide receivers in particular. They were going at it back and forth. So that's what you want to see in practice. You want to see where guys are you know, getting close to wanting to throw fisticuffs at each other um, you know, during practice. And you know, that hasn't necessarily been the case all the time in the past. Uh, there's been too much, oh, good job, guys, good job. You did really well today. And not enough wanting to go at each other's throat uh, consistently. Or the stay up, stay up, as you, when you actually get a real tackle ha- happening, you know. But I'm just impressed, Shotgun, that you remembered uh, a decade ago, aka uh, USC's one sole spring practice in March. <laughs> Impressive. It was a long time ago. Yeah, there yeah. has been a lot that's happened since then. It did kind of uh, sound like you were making it seem like a full camp. It was just three hours. <laughs> yeah. That was it. Just three hours, and then we're out. Was it even three hours? It was like two hours. Two I don't half? know. My time is all messed yeah, up. Yeah, time is a concept these days. We've, we've, been, we've been on this thing for four hours. I don't know. It's true. It feels like it. Um, As far as the dreaded conversation that I alluded to, not dreaded, but just the fact that another year coming into, oh, this guy still has a lingering issue. This guy still has a lingering issue. Oh, these three players have a hamstring issue. You know, this was an offseason where, in theory, you thought, oh, this is good for USC because guys like Marquis Step will be fully healed. Um, and yet that's not the case. What is it with USC and I guess USC's medical staff where we just have seen for years prolonged injuries where the, I don't think that should be the case? Yeah, I mean, basically it's unacceptable. You, you expect to have the you know the top-notch medical staff in the country at USC. You have a medical school that is attached. So you would expect to have some of the best care in the nation. And from the outside looking in, it doesn't seem like that. When you see so many lingering issues, when you see issues where you're like, wow, that guy probably shouldn't have come back that quickly. You know, the, the, when there's been things that have reoccurred because, you know, guys have come back too quickly. Porter Gustin even said the same. Uh, when he's in the NFL, he's like, yeah, I probably came back too quickly from from a couple things. So uh, why is he making that choice? Why are you not putting him on a strict restriction to make sure that doesn't happen? You don't have lingering, and that's been the case with these guys. You expected this offseason for USC to be able to heal up because there were so many limitations. These guys weren't able to do things. And instead, first day that we get to talk to Clay Helton before camp begins – and he lays out a laundry list of guys, and you're like, whoa, that's that's surprising. You know, Solomon Tuliala-Pupu goes down again. Jordan Asef is still not healed from last year. Marquis Steps still having issues from last year. It's way too often that that's the case. Ethan Ray, same thing. You know, where is Maneer McLean's uh, health at? You know, Kyle Ford, as he progresses from his second ACL injury. It's, it's just unfortunate uh, if you're a USC player because you want to be out there and you want to be practicing, you want to be playing but it, it doesn't seem like they're able to get them back on the field as quickly as some other schools are. At least uh, ITS 
miraculously back. That is one. It is true. Somewhat, somewhat miraculously. It's the outlier in the, the data set. You always need an outlier. Mm-hmm. Now, the one thing we don't really have a grasp on yet, based on the fact that we can't see practice and we can't really ask for whoever we want to as far as media availability, special teams. We haven't heard from Sean Snyder in a while. He was on Trojans Live, but we haven't been able to pick his brain yet. Have you guys been able to glean anything from the videos as far as how special teams will go this year? I don't know how this man got so many notes on special teams. It was like one, ten not even 10 seconds, and he had, like, a whole thing. I don't... This man meaning shotgun? Yeah, this man. I'm not a man. Once I'm again, a boy. This pointing, is a man. Pointing on an audio <laughs> podcast. Love it, Chris. Thank you. I'm I'm a boy. That's a man. Look at that beard. Yeah, I think that you're looking at some things uh, that they've done. We've seen a couple of clips. We see Gary Bryant is returning kicks. Uh, you know, that looks like a, he's a playmaker. You know, that looks like somebody who might be in that mix for that starting role, and we think he can do some really good things there. Some different things than they've done in the past, you know, with, with some defensive linemen on the kickoff coverage unit. Maybe that's just, you know, showing a look for, for the return unit. I'm not sure. Um, but Chase McGrath is kicking field goals. You know, we're, we're taking small snippets of time, so not a ton that we can take away from the special team so far. Uh, it was good to see Ben Easington, uh, who's a walk-on, who was going to be uh, in the mix for special teams consistently two years ago got injured in the first game and basically hasn't played in two years, but he was back in the mix there. I think he's a guy that will be on special teams a lot. And one thing Clay Helton did say uh, today was talking about how the offensive coaches have worked with the defensive players doing ball security, you know, catching interceptions and things. He said the offensive players have been working with the defensive coaches, you know, working on tackling, working on, you know, correct form and all those things. And that's only going to help on special teams on the reverse. He said that the, the defensive uh, players have been working with the offensive coaches, you know, catching passes and, you know, ball security when they do get a turnover. And hopefully there's a lot of them for, for them this year. But on the special team side, you're, you're going to see some of those offensive guys. And, it, and it's only going to help that they've been doing these practicing, uh, practicing these tackling drills and different things uh, to help them when they get on special teams. That's about it from the little clips that we've been able to see, though. Yeah, no real other substantial updates we can give you guys. Hopefully we'll be able to um, find out some more. Before we wrap it up and give our final thoughts, Chris, you always have take it or leave it. Let's take it or leave it. Yeah, I've been on a real big... Sometimes themes just hit me for the week, and this theme for the week has been nicknames. I feel like there's been a lot of nicknames in my life. Uh, You know, obviously... Some USC football players have nicknames like DD, uh, Justin Dietrich, uh, Meatball, um, <laughs> which I feel like would be offensive if he was Italian. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. So I have a bunch of nicknames that I'm, I'm going to try to get going. Uh, so I just want your take or leave it on these nicknames. Let's just start. Um, Slim Jimmins. Interesting. He originally. Leave it. Leave it. I'm going to take it because I interviewed him in high school and he was slim. He was Slim Jim, and now he's not no more. Slim Jim. He was 240 pounds in high school, I believe it was. See, but the thing, Chris, is that it doesn't really roll off the tongue. Okay, that's fine. But I'm taking um, it still. Okay. When Tui Pelotu and Trevor Trout are in together, it's called the fish market. I like it. I like yeah. that. That's good. That's a big yeah. take for me. <laughs> That means we need Trevor Trout to, to start and put up, putting up some stats and uh, get in the mix there. 
The Marlins and the Trout. Okay. Malgaman. Instead of Mountain Man? Malga. Yeah. No, uh, that's, that's a leave it for me. I'm sorry. Leave guys. it. All right. All right. Uh, <laughs> for for Gary Bryant, goodbye. Because he gone. Hey. Is it a is it goodbye Bryant or is it just a goodbye? Like how I would I would do goodbye Bryant. I would take that. I feel like you could take it if you're an announcer and as a normal human you cannot do that. (laughs) I'm not normal human, but I am not a normal human. So what what are we talking about here? (laughs) What are we talking about here? For Keenan Kristen, Meals on Wheels. Leave it. All right. Wait, say that again. Meals on Wheels. Why? Because he's delivering them touchdowns. No, I'm sorry. I'm going to leave it. A, right. for, A for effort, though. Yeah, I have three more random ones. Okay, uh, we need to settle right now the spelling of EA in articles. I-E or E-A? <laughs> Take one, leave the other. See, the problem uh, is that technically it's IE, but if you tweet that, people have no idea what you're talking about. So it's it's a it's a pickle for sure. And even if you shorten it into an apostrophe IE, then the capitalized I then looks like an L. It just doesn't look right. It doesn't look right in print. However, that's how it should be spelled. So I end up just writing out his entire last name. So you're you're balking? You're you're taking a balk on this? You're not going to pick one? Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to keep picking over to first base until you know we get a change of signs. Wow. See, I think you have to go with IE because EA isn't anything in his actual name. So it just seems right, IE. If you capitalize both of them, it looks okay. So I'm going to go with IE too. Carrot cake. Leave it. Take it. I eat the shit out of some carrot cake. What are you talking about? <laughs> Can we say that on this podcast? Oh. I'll leave it. It's gross. Oh, okay. The texture's uh, weird. I will take the icing, though. Carrot cake icing is pretty good. I'll give you that. It's called cream cheese frosting. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, last one. Shotgun's social media beef with Jack-Jack. <laughs> For those who don't know, Shotgun, if you follow Shotgun, you know he posts um, photos from the past uh, on his social media on Instagram. It also gets linked to Twitter. And he posted recently one of Jack Jones, former cornerback, current Arizona State cornerback, doing a front flip at a PRP, I believe. Yep. Uh, Jack Jack responded, why'd you post this? And you responded, shotgun. With, because I'm a photographer and I post photos every day. Only to have him quote tweet Something along the lines of, I'm not at USC no more. I'm at Arizona State. Post that or something. Which, if uh, you know, if I had access to Arizona State's uh, practices, then I would post some photos of that. I just post whatever the best photos are each day um, or from each event that I go to, and then they get logged into a giant folder, and I randomly pick stuff each day. Uh, so the only photos that I actually have of him from Arizona State, do have a couple of him game talking to a couple guys last year. But was getting burnt after Keenan Kristen caught a pass, and you know Jack Jones didn't make the tackle. So I didn't want to put, didn't want to bring that up in the social media discussion. 
Um, if he would have had the interception that Tyler Vaughn's uh, uh, knocked away from him, basically on fourth down, I had would have had a great photo of that as well. But unfortunately, he didn't complete that play either. So I don't have any great Arizona State photos of him to post, unfortunately. I think you just did like a polite take it. You just continued this beef. You just you just threw <laughs> shot back. You you just put out a diss track. Did we just become a drama podcast? What just happened? Uh, I just post photos and most players really enjoy, you know, when there's a cool photo of them. And, you know, a lot of his former teammates have liked the photo on Instagram. So um, they enjoyed it. The audience isn't always for one person. You know, if everyone else is enjoying it sometimes, too bad. So are you taking it or are you leaving it? I'm a neutral party here. (laughs) Definitely not. (laughs) Keely, are you taking it or leaving it? What exactly am I taking or leaving here? Shotgun being in a social media beef. Um, you want to see more of that? Do you like shotgun <laughs> being in a, in a drama? Yeah, I think shotgun should just get more drama across the board. I have a lot of popcorn oh, to geez. eat, and I would love to eat some more popcorn from my corner <laughs> of the internet. That's all I just, say. Just, just a quick rundown of shotgun's social media beefs. People that don't read the article... <laughs> Jack Jones. And is that it for right now? Or is no, there... people that steal my photos. Mm, oh, yeah. People those are the photos. best. Those are good. I unless, like that one. Unless they look clean, apparently. Those unless are edits. Look... And, and, you know, there's the general rule where if someone is changing, um, changing the art form of something, then it is allowed by copyright laws. So I'm generally okay with that, though I would like to be get a little bit of credit. You know, if you take someone's photo and use it for in a different way, then you should probably still credit the original artist as well. Can't argue with that. That's all I got. Well done. Well, like I said, gentlemen, any final thoughts? There was a lot that happened this week, a lot to throw in there, um, but I think we did get a better sense of where USC is trying to go year two of Graham Harrell's offense, a better sense of Todd Orlando, uh, 95% installed with his new defense. Not really up to date on special teams, but I'm sure we'll get a better sense of that. But uh, final thoughts from week one of USC's 2020 training camp. I can't wait to see what ne- next week brings. I can't wait for more episodes of CSI Peristyle. <laughs> it's good to have stuff to report on again. Are those your final thoughts, Chris? Yeah, those are my final thoughts. I don't really have many final thoughts. Take it or leave it are my final thoughts. Mm. Got it. They encapsulate my final thoughts. So okay. Try to figure what I'm thinking out there. The fish market. Let's go. Yeah. So let's say your final your final thoughts are fish market. Alrighty. That's gonna wrap it up. This was an interesting podcast. So if you're still listening, thank you for doing that. Uh, that's Shotgun. That's Chris. I'm Keely. We'll see y'all next week. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever. Or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.